Today we celebrate 70 years of that wonderful Savior and the wonderful opportunities that God has provided us here at Central Baptist Church. I have obviously not been here for all 70 of them. Uh, I haven't even been here for about three months of them, but I want you to know just hearing about all the goodness of God and hearing the testimonies of those whose lives have been touched by Central Baptist Church through the, through the last many wonderful years is, is an encouragement to me. Uh, the last few months, I've had the opportunity to go meet a lot of our folks that are kind of shut in, and they can't go, and they can't be here like they used to could be in the services, although they would love to be here, and how wonderful it is to get to visit with people who are part of the rich heritage that we have here at Central Baptist Church. And I want you to know on a day where we are celebrating heritage and we are looking back and it's kind of a poignant day where it makes us ponder a little bit about how far God's brought us and how far God wants to take us. I hope that we'll take the time in the service today to think about who's up next. You know, a lot of these folks who serve 30 and 40 and 50 years, as I sit in their homes and visit with them, I begin to wonder where are those people in our congregation today? Where are those people that are going to invest 30 and 40 and 50 years of their life? Where are those people that are going to get on that bus on Sunday morning when it's hot, when it's cold, and uh, when the riders aren't always happy to be there either and get out there and be faithful to the call of God? They might win folks to Christ and serve God here at Central Baptist Church. It's just been good to see all that God has done, and I look forward to all that God wants to do. And I'm looking forward to an exciting day today. I always enjoy preaching, but I'm looking forward to the preaching tonight because I'm not going to be doing it. Looking forward to have Brother Al Bartlett come in tonight, pastor of Central Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, and as you well know, he is the dad of, uh, he's the patriarch of all of our Bartlett's around here, and we're glad to have all of them uh, here with us tonight, and if you smile uh, real good and pay attention in the service, I might talk them into singing for us tonight, and uh, looking forward to, uh, to hearing from them. So I want to encourage you to be back tonight, and just going to take a very simple time in the Word of God this morning to look at this thought of heritage, so take your Bibles, turn to Genesis 48, if you don't mind. Genesis chapter number 48, and probably going to preach one of the simplest messages I've preached since I've been here. It's a very simple thought the Lord's given us, and I know the Holy Spirit will take it from there and do what only He can. Genesis chapter 48, and instead of standing this morning, I want you just to remain seated as we're going to read several scriptures, and I want you to be able to to pay attention and focus on that. Genesis chapter number 48, and we're about to pick up where Jacob is about to bid farewell to, uh, to his children and to his grandchildren. And boy, what a beautiful picture the Word of God has for us here today about a heritage. And this passage came to mind immediately. We start thinking about heritage and preaching on heritage and asking God to give you what you need. This is what he led us to. And I hope that we'll glean from it this morning and take the Word of God and apply it and grow from it and that we'll see 70 more years of God's blessings here at Central. Genesis 48, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel, that's the other name of Jacob, strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make thee a multitude of people, and I will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born into thee, into the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee in Egypt, are mine, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine." 
Go on down, if you would, take a, take a moment and look down to verse number, uh, verse number eight. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and says, who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, they are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. We'll read more later. Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to bless us. Father, I do thank you for the great heritage of this place that you've allowed us to come to today. And Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for all that you've done. We're thankful, Lord, for the hope of knowing what you desire to do. I pray, Father, you would take your word this morning, and you'd speak to hearts, and you could do what only you can. I pray you'd give us what you'd have us to say. Give us great grace. And Lord, I pray that your will be done. I pray during the invitation, folks would come and be saved today. And I pray for those that are saved, that Father will reflect upon the heritage that we've received and also the heritage we'll leave behind. And I pray we would glorify you in all we do today in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've discussed often this morning, today is a very special milestone as our church hits 70 years and Uh, I think we could all say that the church heritage that we have here at Central Baptist Church is nothing less than rich. Uh, You look through the years and all that God has done here and all of the faithful men and women of God who have served here and some on staff and some as volunteers, some as pastors, some in the bus ministry, but God has blessed us with a wonderful rich heritage of many who have been so faithful to the call of God to fulfill the call of God in this place. And as I think about it this morning, I thought about it last night, I, I think I could be safe saying this. I'm only here three months, okay? So if I'm not in my bounds, correct me after the service, but one of the most wonderful truths about the church that God's allowed us to serve here is over the past 70 years, really the greatest changes that have taken place have been cosmetic. They have not been conviction. I want you to think about that this morning. But we have a beautiful building just a few years ago. Uh, the Lord blessed to be able to remodel it, and God's done great things, and it's just a beautiful place to come and to worship. But aren't you thankful that over the past 70 years, the biggest changes have been out of the cosmetics of the building, not the convictions of our church? Our church for the past 70 years has stood on the convictions of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the compassion for the lost. As Brother Brent mentioned, it's hard for me to meet someone in our town that has not gone to our church and, and given a gospel tract by somebody in our church. The other day I was talking to someone at, uh, at one of our local antique stores and uh, they asked uh, where I was from and I told them where I was from and he says, I know your church. I said, well, good, good. Come visit us sometime. He says, I find these cards all over my store. Just people leave them all over my store. I find it amazing. I'll go to gas pumps and I'll find a gospel track from Central Baptist Church or I'll go to Walmart and I'll find gospel tracks all over Walmart. And for the past 70 years, God has blessed Central Baptist Church to be a wonderful place where the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached and where buses are run up and down the road to pick up folks and bring them to the church that they could hear the gospel when maybe there was someone who would not bring them to hear it for themselves. And what a blessing it is to talk to people around the room that are in this building today who are saved because someone knocked on their door from Central Baptist Church. The other day I was at, um, visiting one of our, our folks at, uh, at one of the nursing units, the assisted living homes there. I was visiting Miss Anderson and I was sitting there with her and talking with her. I says, Miss Anderson, how did you come to Central? How did you get here? Because I'm trying to learn everybody's stories. I don't know everybody like you do. So I'm having to learn everybody in hindsight. And I says, how did you come to Central? She says, well, 30 years ago, I moved to Hattiesburg 
And Miss Rushing knocked on my door. What a testimony. The past 70 years, there have been people who've come to this place and they had an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preach and not only to hear it here, but we've had people go out from here and people knock on others' doors and bring them to a, on a church bus that they could be saved. And there have been people who've raised their entire families and grew up here at Central all because there's been this lighthouse of convictions of the Word of God. The gospel's been preached, the lost have been, uh, have been given opportunity, and then we have this wonderful fellowship here of believers where our families and our children can grow. I was blessed yesterday to be able to go soul winning with my daughter, and as we walked down the street knocking on doors, it was exciting to be able to tell the people that I would meet for the first time yesterday about all the opportunities that are at Central Baptist Church to offer your family. I said, we've got classes from little bitty ones all the way up to really old ones. I said, we could, we got something for everybody to come and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is that God's allowed us to be here. And as David says, I think we could all safely say we have a goodly heritage. We have a goodly heritage. Not long. I'm going to give you a long introduction, by the way, and a short message. Is that okay? Kind of break even, right? Long, uh, long introduction and short, uh, short message this morning. Uh, the, the day I would preach my first message here as pastor, I'm sitting back there in the office, and I'll be honest, I still get nervous when I preach. My heart races, and I keep aspirin there in the top drawer just in case I start to have one of those heart attacks, you know. I get nervous. What an honor it is to preach the Word of God. And my dad sent me a text that didn't help much at the time, to be honest with you, Dad. He sends me this text, and he says, just remember all the men of God that have come before you and stood in that place. I wanted, to, I wanted to just lock the door and say, I'm not coming out. Brother Brent, you did a good job for three months. You take it. And you do it. I can't do this. When you think about our goodly heritage we have here, the men of God who stood behind this pulpit, not only as pastor, but the men of God who traveled across this country in evangelism, who we had the opportunity to hear, and you had the opportunity to hear preach here. We have a goodly heritage. There's something I want you to think about this morning that uh, is we're going to need to answer a question we're going to need to answer looking toward the future in how did we get it? How did we get the heritage that we have here today? We love talking about it and we're going to fight to preserve it and we're going to look to build it, but how did we survive 70 years? Did we just survive 70 years by chance or out of luck? How did we get to the place today where we're celebrating 70 years? I believe the answer is it's kind of simple this morning. There was always enough people that were willing to hold on to our heritage that we might pass on the promises. There was always enough people here in spite of the circumstances and the status quo, in spite of people that came and people went and people getting mad and people arguing and scrapping. I'm sure that's happened here throughout the years at one time or another. In spite of all of that, evidently, by, by lasting 70 years here at this place, there's been enough people who are willing to hold on to our heritage we might pass on the promises to our children. Now, here's what you need to think about today. I heard someone say this years ago and never forgot it. The faith that we have, the heritage that we have is one generation thick. It's one generation thick. I heard a preacher say that years ago, and it kind of dawned on me that you think about this. It took us 70 years to get to this place. It took generations of faith and generations of sacrifice and generations of dedication and commitment to build what we have here today, generations to get to this place and this day. But all it takes is one generation to lose it. Now let that sink in, please. 
As much as we enjoy the blessings and the the pleasures that God has allowed us to have here, the fellowship of this body of believers and the opportunities that this place provides, look, it took generations to get us here. Men and women of God who many cannot even be here today. I talked to uh, Miss Bobby Smith the other day. I was over at her house visiting with her, and she was telling me about how she used to cook at the school. And man, when these folks talk about the church and the school, their eyes just light up. They want to be here even now. The people who helped build this place and helped get this to where it is today, and they can't be here. And I wonder to myself, where are those people in this congregation? Where are the people who are going to take the heritage that we were given and not squander it, but protect it and hold on to it to the generation that's to come? I want you to know this morning that what our children inherit, the church, Central Baptist Church, the next 70 years, the church that they will inherit will be based on what we decide we're going to hold on to. We can't give it if we don't have it. If we do not cherish the convictions and we do not cherish what God has wrought in this place over the past 70 years enough to hold on to it, we will not have it to pass to our children the way the generation before us has passed it to us. The church cannot be one of these things where you do as I say, not as I do. We can't go out here and say, I want you to do what's right, live right, but I'm not going to do it myself. No, we have got to have that and hold on to that ourselves in order to be passed that on to our children. And boy, I'll tell you, the last few days we prepared for this, I realized what a grave responsibility we have. What a grave responsibility we have not to drop the ball. I'm thankful for the generations of the past 70 years who didn't drop the ball. They didn't drop it. We, this place and this building and the school and the, the classes and the opportunities that Central Baptist Church provides, it's because the generations before us held on to their heritage and they didn't drop the ball. And we're now running with the ball. We have the privilege of running with the ball because they didn't drop it. Now, our children are going to depend upon us not to be the missing link. We've got to run with this thing and hold fast to the heritage, the godly heritage that we have, or else we're going to lose it. I want to show you something real quick I, I thought about uh, last night. That's my dad. If you would come up here right quick. And my daughter, where is she? Would you come up here right quick? I want to show you something real quick. Y'all can uh, figure out which way you want to go. I just asked them a while ago if they would mind doing this, and they said they wouldn't. My dad used to get me on stage when I was a kid, so I just thought it only fair that I get him up on stage now that I'm his pastor. No, no, come on up here, Dad, right quick. As you know, this is my daughter, and then, as you know, this is my dad. Dad, if you would just stand right there just for a moment, and uh, don't get a lot of opportunity to have them together in the service, but now the Lord's led them here. What a blessing it is. I want you to think about Miley as the future, the generation that will inherit this church one day. All right? This is the future. And I want you to think about my dad. No offense, Dad, but we're going to let you represent the past, okay? We're going to let him represent the heritage of, of, of those that have gone before us. Now, scoot just a little bit closer, if you don't mind. Scoot just a little bit closer. I want you to notice the bridge between the past and the future is in the present. Take me by my hand, please, real quick. You want to take me by my hand right quick? If I don't be the missing link, if I don't connect the past to the future... We will lose what we have, and she will not inherit the church that you're enjoying here today. The only connection between the past and the heritage that we have and the future that we could have is those of us that stand here today in the present and are willing to join. Hold my hand, Dad. It's okay. (laughs) To join the two together. Now, I want you to understand you stand where I stand. We're in the present today. 
Now understand that generation, they've done their work, they've laid the foundation, they've given us a heritage, and the only hope for them is for us that are in the present today to take the hand of our heritage and grab hold of the hand of our future and bring them together. That's what a heritage is. It's when the present lays hold of the past and looks toward the future. Thank you guys very much. Let's give my hand. You can have a seat. Dr. Lee Robertson used to give folks a dollar, but I didn't have a dollar, so I just give them a dollar, maybe take them out to lunch or something after that. Now, I want you to remember this this morning. You and I are the present generation. The only hope that our heritage, our rich, godly heritage, understand when I speak of heritage this morning, I'm not talking about casserole potlucks, okay? I'm talking about our godly heritage, our convictions and our fundamentals when we stand on what thus saith the Lord. The heritage of our past will only make it to the future if those of us are in the present lay hold of both. There's something you need to see in Genesis chapter number 48. It's a a beautiful, beautiful picture. Genesis chapter 48, Jacob is about to die. Jacob is the older generation of his family's faith. Before Jacob dies, he calls upon Joseph. There's something very special that he's going to do for Joseph that I want you to see. Joseph runs to his dead side in verse 1. Watch what, what the Bible says. It came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick, and he took with him his two sons. Notice that. As soon as Joseph, Joseph's the middleman, Jacob is the generation before. As soon as Joseph heard that Jacob was about to pass off the scene, he grabbed the future and went and grabbed hold of the past. Jacob went and laid hold of both of them. Now let me tell you why Jacob is doing what he's doing. Stick with me this morning. The Bible says, we're not going to turn there for the sake of time, the book of Genesis, I believe chapter 17, that God called Abraham. You know the Abrahamic covenant where God called him to get up out of his country and to go to a place that God had not shown him yet. Then you keep reading, you'll find that the covenant is repeated to Isaac about nine chapters later. He says, get thee up out of thy country. He tells him he's going to make a great seed out of him and repeats the same thing he told Abraham. So the covenant goes to Abraham and then it gets repeated to Isaac. And then you read it just a few chapters later, I think two chapters, I think chapter 28. God repeats his covenant to Jacob. He told it to Abraham, he told it to, jo- uh, to Isaac, and now he told it to Jacob. And then the next guy in line is Joseph, but wait a minute. Chapter 37, Joseph gets sold into slavery. Joseph's out of the picture. You'll find that after God gave the covenant to Jacob, the covenant was not repeated again. Now Jacob is about to pass off the scene. Joseph realizes that generation is about to go. He realizes the utmost importance that the covenant be repeated again. That the covenant get passed on one more time to the next generation. So look down, if we will, what we just read. He grabbed Manasseh and Ephraim and says, come with me. They come to Joseph in verse number two, or Jacob in verse two. Verse three, he says, and Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee and I will make thee a multitude of people and I will give this land unto thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. Can I tell you what, it's a beautiful picture what Jacob and Joseph were doing. 
Joseph says, you know what? He's about to go. He was the last one to receive the promise. He was the last one to hear the covenant repeated. He said, I've got to make sure the covenant goes on past him and it goes on to the future. So he grabbed his sons. He took his sons to his dad's bedside before he died. And Jacob starts repeating the covenant in verse 4 and verse number 5. Can I tell you what Jacob was doing? Jacob was doing what we're going to preach on for the next few minutes this morning. He was passing on the promises. He was passing on the promises. Folks, can I tell you something this morning? As much as we are thankful for what God has blessed us with at Central Baptist Church, as much as we enjoy the blessings of fellowship and the opportunities of service that we have in this place, understand they can die. Just as Jacob was about to pass off the scene, understand the generation that laid the foundation of this place, many of them have already gone on to glory. Many of them can no longer come to this place. And I believe the only hope for the future to receive and to reap the promises of God is for this present generation to, as soon as we can, lay hold on the covenant and the promises of the past while also laying hold on the future. Look, the promises of God that he has blessed us with and the opportunities that he has blessed us with, listen, they are perpetual. They can go on, but they've got to be passed on. And somebody's got to make it a point to do that. And there's three simple things in chapter 48 that we've God wants us to see on how we can pass on and what we need to pass on. Now, I believe you could say Joseph's family has a rich heritage. I think we'd all agree with that this morning. But he gives them three things that I believe need to be passed on, and we'll see these passed on through Jacob and Joseph, and I believe we need to pass them on as well. In Genesis chapter 17, the Bible says, The Lord appeared unto Abraham. Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says, The Lord appeared unto Isaac. Genesis chapter number 28, the Bible says, He spoke to Jacob and says, I am the Lord. Now, I want you to think about this. Just about everybody in Joseph's family knew God personally. You think about that. You're talking about bragging rights. I don't know if they bragged back then, but if I was a kid and my dad talked to God and my grandfather talked to God and my great-grandfather talked to God, that'd be something I'd be talking about myself. What a heritage that Joseph, listen, because of the promises of God, he grew up with a heritage of knowing God. I believe this morning if there's one promise that we need to pass on to our children, it's the heritage of knowing God. The heritage of knowing God. I'm going to tell you the opportunity to meet some of these folks that <clears throat> were here long before I ever arrived and served God long before I got here. What a blessing it is to talk to them and hear just in the way that they say what they say about this church. They knew God. You can tell they knew God. I'm not talking about knowing God and knowing of God. I'm talking about they knew him and they know him personally. Listen, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they didn't just know of God. They had a conversation with God. They knew him personally. And I believe the only hope for the future of this church is that the generation in the present must leave behind a heritage of knowing God. I'm not talking about knowing religion. I'm not just talking about knowing your Bible and be able to quote scripture. I'm talking about where you and God have a personal relationship. Look, if we don't leave that behind for this next generation, they are sunk. We can have the greatest programs in a beautiful building, but if they don't know God, it's over. Joseph says, my dad's about to pass off the scene. My dad met and talked with God. I want my, my sons to hear about that. So he brings his sons over to his dad and lets his sons hear about how well his dad knew God. I'm going to tell you this morning, it'd be good for us to get to know the God of our fathers. 
I fear this morning that we live here in the South, there's this thing called cultural Christianity to where it's just part of our culture, but it's not something that we really know. I yesterday got to witness to several people in our community and talk to them about the Lord, and it seems like everybody knows of God. But there's a difference in knowing of God and knowing God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew God. They had a one-on-one relationship. They talked with him. I fear there's many of us this morning who know of God, but we don't know God. Now, folks, if we're going to leave something behind for our children that matters, we need to leave a heritage that we knew God. How often do we talk about our, our grandmothers and our grandfathers and how they could pray? Grandmother staying up all night, you know, praying for us. Mama staying up all night praying for us. You guess what? Sooner or later, we're going to be the grandparents. I wonder what our children are going to say about us. Did we know God? Did mom and dad walk with God? Could we tell by mom and dad's conversation that they knew God personally and had a relationship with him? Folks, that's what's going to matter one day. I mean, look, we'd be better off sitting on old squeaky slat pine pews that that pinched our rear ends instead of these nice padded chairs if it took it that we knew God better. Let's not in our prosperity forget the God that want the one who got us here. The God that has brought us safe thus far the past 70 years was a God that the people who built this place knew personally. They knew him. They walked with him. They talked with him. The Bible says in Judges chapter 2, Very important scripture. I'm going to read it for you. I think I got it marked. Listen close. Judges chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 10, and also all that generation, talking about the generation that came out of Egypt and saw God work, the Bible says were gathered unto their fathers. You know what that means? It's a nice way to say they died. The Bible says there arose another generation after them. So watch close. The generation that knew God and who saw God work, who saw God part the Red Sea and provide the manna from heaven, all of that generation, Joshua's generation, died. And when that generation died, the Bible says the next generation that rose up, another generation which knew not the Lord. Now look, I'm not going to speak ill of Joshua's generation or all of them, but somewhere, somebody dropped the ball. Somewhere along the line, the generation that did know God did not introduce him to the next generation, and they grew up not knowing God. You look at the generation that we have here today, you can't tell that they know God. You get to know God, it'll change the way you live your life. It really will. I know that's hard to believe in the world we live in today, but you get to know God. The more you get to know him, the more you love him. And he says, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. You see, you get to know him, and it changes the way you live your life. And based on the way most Christians today live their life, I seriously wonder if they know God. Titus 1, the Bible says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Now let me tell you, Titus 1.16 is not a popular verse, but it's in the book. The Bible says they profess that they know God. The profession is not enough. The Bible says, but in their works they deny him. What does that mean? Somebody's dropped the ball. Why? Because they didn't put a value on the heritage of of knowing God. Joseph says, my dad's dying. My dad was the last one that received the the covenant, the promise. I got to go get my sons and get that passed on to him before he leaves. I want you to answer this question this morning. If our kids grow up to know God as well as we do, how well will they know God? If our kids grow up knowing God as well as we do, how well will they know God? 
I hate to tell you, but most of the time, they're not going to know God as good as you do. They're going to know God less than you do. Can our country and our church, listen, can your grandchildren afford a mom and dad who doesn't know God as good as you do? Folks, I think we're seeing the fruit of that in the world that we live in today. I believe we've come to the place now where we've got to decide whether knowing God is something we would just want to talk about or something we're going to do. Because knowing God will change us, and that's why we don't want to get to know God much better, because he's going to change the way that we live our life. The Bible says in Matthew chapter, chapter 7 that many will say in that day, Lord, Lord. They're going to say, hey, Lord, we knew who you were. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. The question that ought to be asked this morning is not just do you know of God, but does he know you? That's what really matters. Oh, what a frightening thing to stand before God and him to look down. And you're telling, but look, I heard about you in Sunday school, and I memorized all of these verses and that, and I know who you are. But he says, I don't know who you are. What a frightful place to be. I believe what we need to do for our kids and the next generation is leave behind a heritage of knowing God. We need to know our God like Job knew his God. Job chapter 19, verse 25, in the middle of Job's trial, he says this, For I know, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. For I know. Why was Job unshaken in the trial and the hour that he was going through? It's because of who he knew. He knew his God. Paul would go on to say something similar in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know. Look, mom and dad, I know this is going to scare you, but one day you're not going to be there for your kids. And you better give them something that they know. It's going to get them to the trial and something that will keep them afloat. I don't believe Central Baptist Church this morning can afford to ignore the truth of knowing God better than we already do. Because we've got to leave to our children the heritage of that, and that's the heritage that we already have. Look, you used to come to this church, people would hear the gospel preach and come to know God at this place. Look, Hattiesburg needs Central Baptist Church. There needs to be a church in this town that people can come and hear the gospel and come to know God. Look, look, there's plenty of churches you can go to watch a movie and eat popcorn and all that stuff, and hey, that's fine, but hey, why don't we be the church where people come to come to know God? There's got to be a lighthouse in the community that people can come and hear the gospel and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, get a hold of their heart, and they trust Christ as their Savior. What a blessing it is to hear people that got saved walked an aisle because somebody knocked on their door, somebody picked them up on a bus, or somebody gave them a gospel track. I've heard all of those testimonies since I've been here. Why? Because someone made it a priority to know God. So number one, passing on the promises, Joseph takes them to his dad, and he wanted them to hear of the heritage that he had of knowing God. Look at verse number three. Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me. He's given a testimony of when he met God. The second thing is important. Behold, I will make thee, verse 4, fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So here's God making all of these promises to Jacob. God made the same promises to Isaac. God made the same promises to Abraham. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob took God at his word. And here is Jacob saying, God told me all of these things, and God took care of me all of the way. Number two, he's leaving behind the heritage of believing his word. He's leaving behind a heritage of believing his word. Jacob says, God made me a promise, and God didn't let me down. If we need to leave something for the next 70 years for those that will come behind us, let us leave behind, listen, the heritage of knowing God. 
Number two, let's leave behind a heritage that they can believe his word. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob just took God at his word, and God did not fail them. Imagine how powerful it was for Joseph to see God work in the lives of those who came before him. I think about our family. I tell you a lot about it. I talk about your family if I knew them better, but I don't, so I talk about my family, okay? And uh, you tell me something about your family, and I'll, I'll use an illustration. My grandparents, you know, were missionaries in Mexico, and um, God just called them to go to the mission field, and so they just went. You know, they didn't really raise any support. They just up, and they went, because God called them to go. Down there in the middle of Mexico, they're, I'm talking about in the brush and the cactuses. I mean, it's rough. Houses made out of car hoods. I mean, it's a rough place. Rattlesnakes hanging from the rafters. I'm not kidding. They said they make beauty cream out of it. I didn't try it, as you can tell, but they said it works. Down there in the middle of the desert, there's a, a, a nice church. I think it's Grace Baptist Church, is that the name of it? Grace Baptist Church down there in the middle of the desert. And all of a sudden, you look out, there's only three or four or five houses within view. And next thing you know, there's 150, 200 people there. I don't know where those people come from. But the church is there. Why? God called Mama and Papa. And Mama and Papa just went because God says go, and God blessed. But then a few years after that, I remember my dad was pastoring in seminary, and God called him to leave his church to go build a youth camp for kids. The one that our kids have gone to here at Central for years. Good decisions have been made there. And they had left a good-paying church, a full-time church, and a nice house to go live in an 18-foot camper trailer. The two kids being homeschooled, that's pretty rough. You know, that's one of those things where you fold the kitchen table down and you sleep on it at night. And uh, you flush the toilet with like a gas pedal, you know. And uh, the shower, you have to sit on the toilet to take a shower. I mean, it... And he had to have a tarp over the roof of the thing because it leaked. Went out of a three-bedroom brick home to an 18-foot camper. Middle of, I mean, middle of Carson. Just, man, that was rough, rough, rough time there for a little while. We had an outdoor shower. It was awesome. Dad built it around this tree. Had a water hose up in the tree. And you turn the faucet on, the water hose came down. And no hot water. It was quite refreshing, uh, to say the least. I remember one day, Dad, you know, we didn't have any money, didn't have any support, nothing like that. And Dad was praying. The, the, the woods had just kind of taken over, and people had dumped garbage there all these years. And how are you going to build a camp when there's just stacks and stacks of garbage out there all these years? And no joke, no joke. Man comes pulling up the hill, truck and a trailer and a, a D4, uh, uh, I think it was Johnny or Caterpillar uh, bulldozer. Pulls up and he says, God put you on my heart. Come drop it off. He dropped it off and left. And man, we had a time. You can have a time with a bulldozer when nobody's looking. He's, you know, all over everything. God took care of it. God just took care of it. I remember the dining hall that a lot of our kids sit in and hear the preaching and have made decisions and trusted Christ in. I remember mom and dad having a coffee can in the top of their closet where they saved the money to, to pour the slab for the foundation of the dining hall that is there. And I look over there now, and there's a camp there. All because God says go, and they win, and, and now it's there, and God is using it. So a few years down the road, when God called my family to leave, to go to Monroe, to plant and build Bayou Baptist Church, I'd never done it before, but I just knew God says do it. Can I tell you, it wasn't that hard, because I'd seen what God did for mom and dad. I saw what God did for mama and papa, and I just believed that based on what he did for them, that I could trust God too. Joseph and Jacob had a heritage of believing God's word. What, what do you think the next generation of this church in the next 70 years could do if they just understood that they could believe God and take him at his word? 
to say, you know, we're just going to take this book and we're just going to do what God says. We're going to be obedient to whatever God calls us to do. What do you think this generation would do for the cause of Christ if we left them a heritage of believing his word? Look over at verse 15. I want you to see what God did for Jacob. I want you to read how he suffered. And he blessed Joseph and says, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God who fed me all my life long until this day, He says, God never failed me. I took him at his word, and he didn't fail me. He didn't let me down. I love, listen, I love verse number seven. Verse number seven, he says, and as for me, when I came to Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way. Now notice he says, along the way, it got tough. It got rough. I had heartbreak along the way, and yet God never failed me. Aren't you glad God put verse number seven in there? To show that when you trust God, it's not saying there's not going to be problems and heartaches, but God took care of Jacob all of the way. I think about that today. And we're going to face tough times. We're going to face difficulty as Central, I'm sure, has already faced tough times of difficulty in the past 70 years. But I want you to know we can believe God at his word. Even if it gets difficult and we lose some people along the way. My favorite is verse 11. Jacob says to Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. Remember, Joseph got sold into slavery by his brothers. Now look, you may have some bad kids here this morning, but whenever you think you have the worst kids in the world, I want you to think about Joseph's brothers. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, okay? So go easy on them from time to time. I had not thought to see thy face. Jacob says, I thought I'd never see you again. Well, they told me you were dead. They told me that a, a beast had eaten you out in the field and your coat was ripped off and I thought you were dead. I thought I'd never get to see you again. And look what he says in verse 11. Lo, God has showed me also thy seed. God has exceeded my expectations. Along this road of trusting God and doing what God would have us to, God has not only not failed me, God has not only sustained me through the difficult times of verse number seven, but God has helped me to see more than I ever imagined that I would. Isn't that good? Ephesians 3.20 was one of my theme verses a few years ago. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. That's the God that I serve. That when we trust him and we put our faith in him for what he's called us to do, the Bible says we're trusting in a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above. That's what the next generation needs to know at Central Baptist Church. That the God that we serve here and the God of their mothers and fathers (coughs) is the God that can give them more than they imagine. The last thing is very important. I'll give you this, and we're going to be done. If you go back up to verse 4, you'll see one more heritage. The first heritage that we looked at is the heritage of knowing God. I pray it would be said of us in the next 70 years, the generation before us knew God. I pray that it would be said of us after we leave that we were a generation that believed his word. But then we see verse 4, as he repeats the covenant one more time, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make thee a multitude of people. And I will give this land to thy seed after thee, watch this, for an everlasting possession. Notice God is saying the heritage, the heritage that you have in me is long-lasting. It's beyond you. He says it's an everlasting possession, number three, If we'll leave behind a promise for our children, I believe it needs to be the heritage of an enduring faith. The heritage of an enduring faith. (laughs) You know, I think this morning probably some of you have been saving for your children's college. Bravo. 
for you. I've not started yet, okay? I'm just telling my daughter, work hard and pray real hard, you know? But we want our kids to be taken care of. We want to leave behind for our kids what they need that they can make it without us. But can I tell you, the only thing that we can leave behind them that will last is an enduring faith. That's all we can leave behind them that will last. Oftentimes, I see kids inherit things from mom and dad, and mom and dad leave behind them a big chunk of money or property. A lot of times, that doesn't help them at all. And all the time that we were trying to work to supply those things to leave them, we were ignoring the faith that they ultimately would need. Folks, in the end, the only thing that will get them beyond where they're at is an enduring faith and the one that will never fail them. Hey, why don't we put them in touch with the one who won't let them down? Why don't we put them in touch with the one who will sustain them when they lose people along the way? Why don't we put them in touch with the one who will help them to see more than they thought they could ever see on their own? It's an enduring faith. I think about some of the gifts my dad has given me through the years. And uh, I hate to say it, he knows this because he knows me well, that I've lost a lot of them. Give me a bike one time, I took it apart, never got back together. Give me a deer skin and knife one time, and I've still got the sheath, but I can't find the knife. He's given me books that I have lost along the way and moves and things like that. But can I tell you the most important thing that my dad and my mom and those who came before me have given me this morning is an enduring faith in the one who will not fail me. I'm glad I can't lose that. I'd already lost it. I'm glad that when I put my faith and trust in him and I look to him to get me through the rough days and get me through the times where I don't see the way in front of me, I'm glad that I'm trusting in one who's already got it figured out. And that enduring faith, as Paul told Timothy, he says, your grandmother had it and your mother had it and I believe it's also in you. What was it? It was an enduring faith. If there's anything we could leave behind for this generation, it's, uh, it's like the old song you used to say, you used to sing it years ago, the old time religion. You remember the verse that says, it was good for my mother, it was good for my father, it was good enough for me. I believe Joseph's sitting back and Joseph's doing this, my dad's about to die, and my dad was the last one who received the promise, the last one to hear the covenant repeated. I'm going to go and get my, my sons and I'm going to bring them, and I'm going to make a connection with our heritage because, you know, if it was good for my father, and it was good for my grandfather, and it was good for my great-grandfather and it's going to be good enough for me. Folks, I pray. Listen, we're almost done. I pray that the legacy of the next 70 years will be of one of a heritage of knowing God, that these little kids that are running around here that don't have a clue what's going on in the world, that they'll say, those people knew God. Those people walked with God. Those people could pray and get in touch with God. Maybe I pray that they'll look behind themselves one day and they'll see the heritage that was left behind them was a heritage of knowing that you can believe his word. Those people back in 2019, they just took the word of God and they just did what it said and lo, we have what we have today because of them. That's how we have what we have now. The brother Williams that was mentioned, all the men who came before him, brother Miller, those men just took God at his word. But most importantly, I pray we leave behind a heritage of enduring faith. The promises work, and the promises are still good, but they've got to be passed on. Joseph says, I'm going to make sure my boys hear about these promises. Joseph says, I want to make sure my boys understand that they can trust in the God that will get them through the tough days and help them to see around the corner. So here's the question this morning. What if your kids knowing God is dependent upon you knowing God? What if your children knowing God 
whether for salvation or knowing God, and their fellowship of him is dependent upon you knowing God. What if your kids are going to rise to the level that you rise to because you chose, I want to know God and I want to know him better, as Paul says, I want to know him. Paul wasn't talking about a casual relationship. Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. What if our children's walk with God depends upon our walk with God? What if it's up to us this morning for our children to decide they're going to believe in God's word? They're going to look at us, they're going to look back and say they believed in God and his word and look what God did for them and grandma and grandpa, they trusted God in his word and so you know what, I'm going to trust God in his word too because evidently it works. What if this morning it depends upon us for our children to have an enduring faith? To say, you know what, God gave them something that outlasted them. I pray this morning that the generation to come will be just as blessed as we have been because we choose to pass on the promises. How's our heritage today? If we had to leave behind what we have today, what would we leave behind? Would it be a heritage of knowing God, believing his word? Would it be a heritage of enduring faith? If not, I pray this morning we'll get along with God and we'll work on those things because I'll tell you, the only thing that's gonna keep them going is the only thing that's kept this thing going now, knowing God and enduring faith. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are